0: Travis Bader, and this is the Silvercore podcast. Silvercore has been providing its members with the skills and knowledge necessary to be confident and proficient in the outdoors for over 20 years. And we make it easier for people to deepen their connection to the natural world. If you enjoy the positive and educational content we provide, please let others know by sharing, commenting, and following. So that you can join in on everything that silvercore stands for if you'd like to learn more about becoming a member of the silvercore club and community visit our website at silvercore.ca When it comes to police officers making arrests, the difference between cooperative and uncooperative arrestees is profound in a world where the optics of police use of force is under an increasingly focused spotlight tactics that police use to expedite arrest and mitigate injury are essential. I'm joined by a retired police constable use of force expert, non firearm weapons expert, and whole slew of other accolades who has written the book comprehensive joint locking techniques for law enforcement. If you're looking to add some highly useful and innovative tools to your arsenal, or you're seeking to street proof your martial arts, this book is for you. Welcome to the Silvercore podcast, Al Arsenal. Thank you, Travis. It's a pleasure to be here. I love it. We're going to be adding, adding some, uh, tools to their arsenal with Al Arsenal. (laughs) No pun intended. No pun intended. Uh, your book's amazing, by the way. I've been reading through it. It was hard to put down. I really like the way it's written. It is uh, easy to read, well put together, tons of graphics or somebody like myself who really likes to kind of flip to different pages and uh, dive right into things. Uh, pictures and arrows and. The pictures and arrows <laughs> and, and how to and, move. and. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I thought was really neat was in the beginning of the book and you're listing off some of the people who. Have helped you in your journey and your process through police judo, and one of them was a letter of praise
1: from the BC Civil Liberties Association. Unlikely as that may be, yeah, um, uh, Michael Vaughn. Uh, she uh, was, she was introduced to us through uh, retired ins- VPD Inspector Ken Frail. He's our ethics uh, advisor, and uh, he says you got to meet this woman and. Oh, I don't want to do with BC civil liberties. You know, come on. <laughs> no, and he goes, no, no, seriously. And so uh, she came out. She was a delightful um, lady. Yeah. She really respected what we were doing, and she did judo herself. Oh, which really? Was a real hook. And uh, she saw what we were doing, and uh, she loved it. And uh, she. Actually promoted it in their n- newsletter, and she goes, you know, BC Civil Liberties is not all about just bashing police. We're just calling it like <laughs> it is. So if all negative stuff comes across her desk, and that's what uh, she reports on, but this she heard that, about this positive thing that police judo, uh, what what it's capable of doing in terms of uh, controlling uh, people instead of beating them into submission, and uh, she had high praise uh, for our tactics. I thought that was pretty neat. Like of
0: all places, are you going to be something that is going to be uh, in support of police force from the BC civil liberties association, which really speaks volumes to what it is that you and others have been doing with the police judo. Uh, could you give me, I know I've, I've got some background. I've, I've been following the police judo for a while, but can you just kind of enlighten me a little bit about how that came about and, and what it's about?
1: <laughs> well, it goes back to, uh, well, when I first signed up, uh, for the VPD in 79, I was, I was studying karate. And then by probably by 1986, I was a third degree black belt mm. in karate, but, uh, and I was thinking about going into the the, um. Police academy as a use of force instructor, thinking that oh, I've got like five, six years on the job, I know quite a bit. Right. I know nothing from then from what I know now. Right. So I, uh, I I end up not going at that time. Instead, I took um, a year's leave of absence from the police department. Right. And uh, Expo Expo uh, eighty six. Don't miss it for the world. And you did, yeah, I did. The year <laughs> I went traveling, I I told the VPD I want to take a year's leave of absence, and they said no, uh, we don't give a year's leave of absence. We'll give you six months to finish a degree. Mm. And I went, you know, I met with a deputy chief at the time, and uh, I said, well, we can't do it. And I said, okay, well, I'll quit. Right? And he goes, are you serious? I said, yeah. I said, "Well, there's." He says to me, "There's no guarantee. we will hire you back on." And I said, "That's okay. Other departments are hiring a first-class <laughs> constable of stellar record up to that date." And uh, you're I top said, of your so, class too. And he came yeah, in. Yeah, I was a, uh, I was the uh, chief's choice, as they call it, the, the top recruit in my class. And then I was a uh, police officer of the year. I was oh five? Yes, in the last year <laughs> of, of uh, work, and I, I tell people. In my 27 years, it's the first and last years were really good. So, uh, so it's all about appearances, <laughs> starting and finishing strong. That's the right. middle of 25 years, uh, <laughs> quarter of a decade or a little bit dodgy, but. Uh,
0: <laughs> I'll leave a good impression anyways, right? Yeah.
1: So anyways, I, I took this leave of absence and I went around the, the world and looked at different, I was looking for the ultimate martial art for police mm. and not necessary to pick up techniques here and there, which I did do, but uh, I looked, I looked around and there's a number of things that police academies were doing. They were teaching whatever the instructor knew. Right. Cause that's what he's most comfortable teaching mm-hmm. and it's what he's best at. And then somehow they had, the recruits would have to try and make it work on the street. And some of these techniques that they were teaching aren't, aren't necessarily translatable or easily translatable just because you're, if you're a Taekwondo guy and you can kick a knife out of somebody's hand (laughs) that uh, I wouldn't recommend (laughs) teaching that to recruits. Right. Right. So that was a problem. And then, so somebody in the, in that gym, the marsh, the the training gym should have some uh, expertise or, um. a little school of hard knocks, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, Sometimes like they, should, they should have, uh, they should have what it takes to uh, make this stuff work. And, and so instead of teaching what they know, they should say, well, what do you need to know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I'm a, a boxer, but geez, it looked like you do a little bit of wrestling. It looked like you do a bit about joint locking. So, I sh- so me as the instructor with the aptitude in martial arts, I should be learning what you, I should be teaching you, mm-hmm. not... You learn for, you. I'll teach you boxing, and then you try and figure out how that translates into getting handcuffs on somebody. Right. So that was a that was a, a problem, and and of course uh, trainers become or they're they're very parochial. They just teach what the, their department teaches, and mm-hmm. they, they teach this over here, and and there's no real sort of unified system of martial arts for uh, or uh, control tactics for police. Right. So there's a number of. uh, problems like that that i that i that i saw and i i, I came back a bit disillusioned i went ah oh, darn i was looking for something really good and so i just kept uh, so I, I got out of karate and then i got into um wushu the uh, chinese martial arts uh shui jiao which it's like uh, throwing techniques without okay. any groundwork okay and um and, uh, Chinna, the joint locking techniques and, and, and this and that. So I, I did that and I liked the Chinna the quite a bit. And then, um, it was too, wasn't, it wasn't direct enough. It was a, it was a little bit airy fairy for mm. policing purposes mm. and, uh, it's, it's a martial, it's artistry, right? Sure. So, and, uh, so I, I left ostensibly to go study, uh, ground fighting because uh, Shui Zhao doesn't do any ground fighting mm. and, um. So I joined, um, judo at the police station under, well, initially Tim Laidler and then Brian Shipper, right. uh, took it over, uh, Brian Shipper being a civilian. And, um, I, so I started at judo and I really liked it because it, and I thought out of all the martial arts that I've seen, judo is probably the most practical because you say you are under arrest. What call, what falls next? You got to lay hands on the guy, especially right. if he's not being cooperative. So, right. so judo does that word in karate. You're under arrest. No, I'm not. Striking. Oh, I, yeah. So I'm going to start breaking your kneecaps no. and punching, knocking you out to get you into a uh, cuffs. Doesn't look too good. No, either. it doesn't look good. <laughs> and, and, and it's, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a hard way to arrest somebody. So I, I went through that whole, um, that whole process. And then I, I came out the other end. Being a little bit, um, judo was at the time was a little bit more still following the sports mode, mm. even though we got out of the com- competition or the instructor, uh, Brian took it out of the competition mode entirely. Mm. And, uh, but it was still classic judo being taught to police at a police station. So it was loosely by name only called police judo. But then I, I ended up, um, retiring in 2006 and I was minding my, my own business in Thailand, like all good stories happen. And, um, um, Sergeant Brad Fawcett, uh, phoned me up and, and, uh, he, him and, uh, you know, acting Sergeant, I guess, uh, Ken Rensby were at the the police Academy in 2008 and they were having classes of 44, 48 people mm. with the two of them. So the That's student, student teacher ratio was a bit <laughs> off there. And so he got a hold of me and said, do you want to come back and, um, be a use of force instructor? And, uh, I said, I'll come back as a contractor, meaning that when the students are in the gym, I'll show up, mm. uh, but I'm, I don't want to write reports. I don't want to, uh, disciplines, uh, recruits and all that stuff. I'll just come in and teach you, uh, but under a couple of conditions, one of them being, um, I want to be able to help revamp the training, uh, program because nice. I was a field trainer before I left and, uh, I saw some deficiencies in the training. And he, he said, fair enough. You know, don't want to say you know, your contractor to shut up. Just right. Re- relegated to the corner. We're doing that. So, um, so that was, that was agreed upon. And like I say, I get to show up when, when they're in the gym and, um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I, I agreed and I came, uh, taught for le- less than two years until the 2010 Olympics came right. and they had a glut of, uh, officers after that. Yes. And they didn't even need one instructor at the academy at the because they had so many uh, surplus officers at that time. Really? And then, um, so then I, I switched over to the law enforcement studies diploma. I was asked to uh, create three courses. Uh, these are for people that want to go into policing. Sure. And I had a really strong, uh, my, my entire career pretty well was on the street as a, I was in the CFL club, uh, constable for life. Okay, and uh, I I I stuck uh, to the street because that was my passion, and uh, as a result of all that, uh, ha- I made uh, almost two thousand uh, criminal code arrests, like people for offenses, I and mean, then I probably double that for breaking up fights and breaches of the peace and arresting drunks. And, Is that for your
0: entire career? Yeah, yeah, twenty-seven years.
1: So, and and that's. That's that's a, that's a, that's 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 the top one percentile easily for arrest. I know, I know police officers have been on the job for 20 years and I don't think they've made 20 arrests. You You have to have, man, just a real passion for what you're doing. Well, well, yeah, and then and part of the reason for that is because <laughs> half my career was spent working in the downtown east side, where sometimes right. I was resting uh, three, four people, five, six, seven people in a night. Right. And I have to handcuff them to each other because- you're, you're running, running out. out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time uh, my partner, um, Toby Hinton, were in in front of the region hotel, and we couldn't move for two hours. Like people were coming across the street to get her, to beg to be arrested. They're coming around the corner, getting Jeez. arrested They're you know, left and right. And I was expecting somebody to come out of a window and expect to be arrested. <laughs> we couldn't move. We had them all sitting down there, like three, four uh, people and then the wagon would come and then somebody else would stumble around the thing. We couldn't, you know, it's like, my goodness, it was like the black hole of arrests, you know? Well, so, so either
0: a passion or perhaps a passion and a combination for no having a nose well, for, uh, for uh,
1: you know, uh, um, what is, what is it? Invention is the mother of necessity. So right. if you look at what we were offered down there, we had lay hands on many, many, many hundreds, thousands of people, uh, in, in, in the course of my duties down there. And, and, and uh, Toby Hinton too spend his whole entire career down there mm. more than like 23 years is that people don't, uh deserve to have their arm broken or their job busted because, uh, they want to fight you. Right. A lot of times they're, they're mentally ill, they're on drugs, or they're more fighting themselves than anything. And, sure. And, and, um, and after you wade into this, um, uh, uh crucible of chaos and carnage and you, you be, it becomes less personalized when people want to f- resist arrest. That's their mm. job. Their job is to hide the drugs and run away from the police. And our job is to catch them. So right. it's nothing personal. I mean, they're not, they, they didn't choose to, to, uh, try and fight with me because of me, right. um, could have been you or yeah, you, anybody. Yeah. So it's just, you know, so you, you take it less personally. And then, it, uh, um, and you I just look at it as a, a challenge. I, I had, I have so many martial arts skills and it was nice to be able to, oh, let's go kind of try this or try that. It's like and a puzzle. Yeah. So it's a puzzle. It needs solving and, right. um, as gently as possible. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I've had one use of force, uh, complaint leveled at me in my entire career. I actually did a search and I was surprised for somebody with your background and your
0: passion and everything else. Nothing shows up in there. <laughs> well, well, if you search
1: under, I don't know, harm reduction or through odd squad, uh, it was, uh, I st- uh, Toby and I started odd squad back in 1997. It's, it's, we, it's, uh, we, we basically trying to educate youth about mainly about gangs or drugs and gangs. Right. And so that was, we just had our 25th year and uh, gala anniversary. So we're still going strong and Toby's the workhorse behind that uh, operation and then um in 2010 we formally started police judo right uh, again I asked toby to you know let's let's start this new martial art um uh, for policing because i i realized that through my travels around the world and through my own experience and judo was the best base martial art but it still was steeped in rules of sport right, and the street shot. has no rules of sport. There's no refs. There's no mats. There's no ethics. Yeah. There's no ethics. Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Morality is just thrown out the window. So you're, you know, in, on their end, our end, yeah, we have to stop the sure toe do. the line. Yeah. We're, we the criminal code applies to us and they, they don't even want to hear that word. So, um, so, so, uh, we, we, we started police judo as a new martial art in 2010. And, uh, even though the roots go back uh, further, like even back to my search in 1986, right. um, I, you know, so I, um, uh, that that's how police duty evolved and it evolved because of the necessity of laying hands on so many people. And, and, and doing it in an ethical, uh, manner an effective manner and practical manner. So
0: well, you've also taught, uh, tactical communications for right. government organizations
1: and yeah, main, mostly with, um, parks, Canada, right. I've been coast to coast. I went Pacific Rim national park all the way up to Halifax and during the mostly during the nineties, but I, I still, uh, teach it, uh, on occasion.
0: Yeah. And that's, it's always a, uh. The, I find really interesting because I find that part of the puzzle very fun as well. I find both parts of the puzzle very fun, but the puzzle of how can we de-escalate through tactical communication and gain compliance. I don't even understand the
1: concept of de-escalation, really, from okay. my perspective, because I come from a position I'm an ethical officer. Right. Somebody's trying to, uh, you know, wants to fight with me, so I just don't. To knuckle down on the guy. Uh, I mean, uh, to me, it's just like, uh, well, I'm already, you know, he's, he's, I, he, he can't, uh, deescalation is not a verb. Mm. I can't deescalate someone. Mm. I can control the factors that I bring into the, the altercation or interaction. Right. But I, I, I uh, it's almost... I almost him. feel insulted that I I have to take a, you know or I'd be asked to take a a course in de escalation like well no I don't start off high it's like tactical communication right. you start off a lo- uh, slow right and you and you go in deeper and deeper and then uh, you get you get to the uh, the ultimate uh, whatever your bottom line is you get there right and that's the way I've always done it so uh, people are saying well, what well, you think I'm coming in guns a blazing and then I have to d- I have to deescalate the situation, which I can do with myself, but I can't do with the, the person I'm dealing with necessarily because if they don't want to play that game, you can provide them the options, exactly. but it's their choice at the end. So, but so this deescalation concept, uh, maybe some people need to know that, or be reminded of, just because he's all mm-hmm. jacked up, doesn't mean you have to go exactly where he is. You can, you you know, you can start uh, off a little more uh, gentler, or slower, or, right. or or more more tactically, uh, slowly. But I, I, I don't like, I don't like that, uh, deescalation. It, it, it just, it comes from an assumption that police. The connotation uh, oh, behind yeah, it. Yeah. The connotation of the police are always going to be heavy handed. Uh,
0: so. Yeah, no, I don't like that. And you know, when I say it, I mean, how you can de-escalate the situation or the individual by perhaps providing them those tools so that they
1: can make the right decision before, That's right. before it before he gets to a point where you, you reduce those Which options. Which is the basis of tactical communications. You're thinking for them, like they'd be thinking three or four days down the road right. after they've gotten out of jail and they've got their, uh, court dates set and, yeah, because they're angry, they're drunk, they're mm. on drugs, they're enraged or whatever. Right. Uh, and the situation is just too much for them to uh, handle uh, rationally. Mm. And so that's what the essence of tactical communication is saying, oh, I guess slow down here. You know, think think about this. And this is the reason why I'm asking you to do what you're doing. You're setting context, and then, and then you're presenting options saying you can go down this road, this road, this road, and this is what each of them looks like. And this is what the end of the road looks like for that. Mm-hmm. And then finally confirming doesn't, does no mean no, like, or is there some conditions that, that, you know, you'd like attached to it? Now they might say, yeah. Yeah, you know, kiss my ass. Well, that ain't going to happen, but it might be, yeah, I want, before I get, boot me out of the bar, which I'm fighting to get out of, I want to get my jacket, it's hanging on my seat. That's an and why solution. didn't you tell me that in the first place? Instead of saying, I'm not leaving, I'm not leaving. And then you right. get them outside after a big fight. They're not thinking right. So exactly, you say, exactly before you yeah. lay hands on them, you say, is there anything I can do or say to help me to gain your cooperation in this matter? I, th- I like to think there is. And, um, they go, yeah, to give them my jacket. Well, duh. Yeah, okay, that's that's doable. Right. Or I'm gonna drink my last half of a beer. You can do that. It's, sure. But whatever. a lot of guys <laughs> slap the beer out of the guy's hand. The fights on because. Because he didn't listen. Yeah. He, yeah. He didn't listen. He didn't go right now and right. having half the beer is him saying basically, right. screw you. Which you're and allowed to do. Too, yeah. What, yeah. Which, it's uh, a game. Yeah. So is it worth getting into a fight because the guy wants to show his friends and I'm drinking half my beer before I leave? <laughs> 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 that's. Uh, say what you want, but do as I say. So bye-bye. You right. know, and then you're, you're, you're gone and you're the hero and, uh, problem yeah. solved. But, uh, but anyways, um uh, getting back to the, the essence of, um, using force. I mean, we've never been under more of a microscope than now with, uh, black lives matter and all these, uh, people wanting to defund the police, mm. looking for any, any reason to, uh, s- smear the police mm. and, um, hitting people in essence, looks bad there's a couple of things that police judo avoids one hitting people looks bad so we avoid we avoid that we mm. use joint locking techniques and also holding people is highly ineffectual like mm-hmm. holding grabbing them to typical by the collar i've got a collar that's the old yeah po- you know uh, police uh, collar the perp <laughs> yeah yeah collar <laughs> the perp that was uh, y- y- you know and Some police literally did that, and there's no control. So the difference between holding and controlling is immense. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: It's like the difference between sport techniques and martial arts and street techniques Mm -hmm. is immense. The the Mm -hmm. mentality, the different, and and one of them being um, police all police shoot also avoids going to the ground, which jujitsu techniques. Police like flocking to these. you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, courses and, uh, it's flawed to me, in my mind, mm. right from the very outset, because you, the ground is not the police officer's friend. You don't want to be there. Well, now you might be taken to the ground, but about, but you know, even if you do, you, in police, judo we do a ground fighting, but we ground fight with the ultimate purpose of getting up. Right. Not to submit. Cause not, when not you Not to submit, be on the ground and get kicked in the head yeah, by all everybody's exactly, friends. Yeah, yeah. Your head looks like a soccer ball. Right. It's six inches off the ground. So. So there's um, a bunch of th- uh, things that we've Im- improved in control tactics through um, through police judo, and this this book here that has just came out here, um, uh, comprehensive joint locking techniques for law enforcement, um, is just uh, one part of a book that I was writing. I started about oh. Uh, probably over t- 10 years ago the book would be this thick.
0: Well I saw in the book you're ta- you're referencing future books yeah. that you're going to dedicate the next two years And I realized
1: after 10 years of you know writing I went this book could be too thick so I just took out what is most sale what's the what's the most uh, important stuff that police need to do right now. So mm-hmm. I, so I extracted this the, the joint locking aspects out of police judo. And I say, okay, this is one book. And there'll be a book on ground fighting. There'll be a mm-hmm. book on punching and kicking, Sure. because there's there's times and places where you have to do those things. There'll be a book on handcuffing and searching. There'll mm-hmm. be a book on you know a, a various aspects of of police judo as it is uh, now. And um, but this is the first the first of that series. So I, I realized that in police judo, um, it's all it's about controlling somebody and mm. controlling by the difference between controlling and holding is Night the presence day. or absence of pain. Mm. So if it's, a um, you know, um, uh, pain compliance technique, that's, 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 um, that's controlling somebody. Okay. So you, if you grab somebody by the shoulder, by the collar, well, there's no pain associated with that. Mm. And the person can fight back. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the viewers out there, if you have to grab somebody, say with one hand, there's only one place to do that, to be able to, even though it's holding, mm. you can still, uh, um, divert the force that, uh, your opponent wants to use against you. And that's just grab them just to, uh, behind the elbow, just above the elbow mm-hmm. but, and standing in this blind spot, you stand there or even grab both hands on there. If the person's really strong and move, if he tries to move to turn into it, you move you stay in that blind spot and you hold on to that arm mm. and if he tries to punch you with the other arm you just thrust the elbow out towards that or if he tries to kick you you drive the elbow down or if he tries to spin around and backfist you you drive the elbow uh towards the direction of the incoming force and it neutralizes the uh, the force mm. That other than, uh, that's the only hold I would recommend. Right. The rest of them, you got to put a little pain on it or be able to put pain on it in a real jiffy. So you can get somebody into a tech, uh, a joint locking technique without applying the pain, but you're ready to go. Right. So if he starts resisting all of a sudden. Then you just, you amp it up and so you're just outside, just at the start of the person's range of motion. Then you can crank it up to get to the, uh, you know, towards the end of the range of motion. That's where the pain uh, begins.
0: Do you ever find you run into people who are highly pain tolerant, whether oh, just because <laughs> yeah. uh, drugs or mindset? Meth, people on crystal
1: math. people sure. are mentally ill, even um, um, goal-oriented people. Same right. people that pepper spray doesn't work on. Right. It seemed, they, they, they it you works. want, you they want just, it to work on those three categories of people, but it generally it's the one that fails on pepper mm-hmm. spray works on, uh, best on silver uh, sober police officers after it bounces off the forehead and your partner <laughs> gets it. So, <laughs> That's right. He, he's in a world of pain, but <laughs> yeah. the other guy's just blinking and thinking, oh, I've cooked with shit hotter than this, but, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, yeah. So, and, and, um, it's talking about use of force and handcuffing. They still teach, uh, this, uh, pressure point control tactics method of right. bending from the waist, but your arm behind your back and all this stuff. They teach that as, um, a method of handcuffing. Right. And it's totally, um, it's kind of the gospel out there well, for some yeah, time. wasn't well, it? Well, yeah, well still is, you right. know, the, and then, and then, well, what about the guy that's got two fingers up and bleeding from the forehead and no shirt on is yeah. on crystal meth and saying, screw you. What about that? How does that work? It doesn't. Not so very you, well. You the you need these kind of techniques. Either you, you're getting the person into a, a joint lock, causing some pain, or mm. if there's no, if the lights are on and no one's home, then um, basically you're using the arm as a tether. to right. Take them down into a, an inferior uh, position as he's face down, uh, you know, uh, uh, you don't want to him a dirt nap right away, but right. Uh, you're in a position to do that if if it's required, and um, and that's that's the that's the way to go. I mean, um, so yeah, so so handcuffing is uh, is a real it's a perishable skill. It's a yes. real art form, and there's some very novel techniques in here. I'm just about to unroll. Um, online course called H cuff, the hands on control using functional force. And it's, it's brilliant if I don't say so myself. Yes. Um, because it's very practical and it's probably the, the most advancement in handcuffing in the last 50 years. Really? mean, um, yeah, you get ta- instructors are talking about how you interlock your fingers at the front or all, <laughs> just, just, just superficial crap. Yeah. Whereas, you know, it was uh, whereas we got, um, uh, a technique called the, the um chain link lock or cuff link lock where you put the handcuff on somebody and then you use the chi- prying down of the Fulcrum chain on over. yeah on so you're using the joint lock to to retain uh, your control over somebody mm. and you can still have one hand free to shake the hand um so things like that are that are really really um I've never been taught before. Well, I haven't seen it. No, I made it up. I mean, well, I there made you it go. Technique. That's why I call it China you know, sort of a joint locking China uh, uh, I call it chain chain na, <laughs> and I realized that you know I'm going, oh, you can, get, you can get a lot of purchase on that. Yeah. So, uh, so, so the handcuffing <clears throat> is even though it's a, a, a required or uh, necessary skill, mm. police still don't practice it. Or and the techniques are given are, are, um, useless. Like right. if a person's bending over their waist, turning your feet out, bending forward, thumbs up, if they're doing all that stuff, just throw them the handcuffs. Say, hey, do you mind putting these on behind your back? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. What about the guy, what the guy, the crystal mouth guy? What? Yeah. that doesn't get you any closer to handcuffing him there and then police, when they see, um, it's going to be a potentially violent situation. Yeah. They get, they're confused between like the person might have a weapon, you pull your gun out at the low ready. Now you're ahead of the game, right? That Mm. makes sense. So if he all of a sudden he reaches in, boom, you just up off the ground uh, and uh, you can um, double tap the guy. People, Uh, police think that, oh, this is hairy, so I'm going to get my handcuffs out in preparation, kind of like the low ready, but it's not. You've just handcuffed yourself because you're a better martial artist or a police tactician than I am. If you can have your handcuffs in one hand and get that guy under control with your your free hand, one free hand, Mm. then you're better than I am because I need both hands to manipulate the person, to get him on the ground, get him into a position where he can't resist you mm-hmm. further then I can put the handcuff on, but they, so they're, they're almost in panic mode. They go, Oh my God, this is going to, I am ahead of the game here. I got my handcuffs mm-hmm. in my hand and it, it does the reverse. And then of course, when they get them under control, they're looking around for their handcuffs because they had to let go <laughs> Of course, because they need both hands to, to lay <laughs> hands on somebody who's being violent. So, um, so whenever, um, and this, if, if you see, um, you know, Arrests gone badly, right? The person ends up being shot. Sure. Right. And then you go, oh, okay. Then you, you play the frame back a little bit. Why did he shoot him? Ah, the bad guy's got the uh, baton. The officer's baton is about to hit him in the head and he shoots him. Sure. Fair. That does, does, does he have a weapon that, that could injure or kill you? Does he, you know, do you tell him to drop the baton is, you know, did he fail to do that? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's green light, you know, check, 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 boom. And, but then that's the final frame analysis, but wh- he, hold on, he's got the officer's baton. How did that happen? Right. So you rail, you roll that, uh, the, the, the tape back a little further, oh, and the officer's you know, hitting him ineffectually mm. <laughs> and the guy just being, what is this? The guy's being pestiferous at the best and he just <laughs> strips the baton because the officer doesn't know how to use it, doesn't know how mm-hmm. to retain it. And then, but okay, but why is he hitting him? Why did the baton come out? So you roll the tape back and there's the officer trying to, oh, he's holding on to the guy rather than controlling him using some mm-hmm. pain. And doing it rather ineffectually. So he's losing. The guy just busts out because the guy's not under under control. He's just being held ineffectually. Right. And then the officer starts to panic and he pulls out his baton. And then you roll that back and maybe you get into TACCOM. Maybe you think, oh, the guy's mm. being, he's getting into a fight with him because he's being, um, maybe he's, he is, is coming into in too hard. He didn't use his TACCOM. He mm. didn't try and, you know, go from the bottom up and, um, and he incenses the guy into, to the point where he begging, he begged, the guy ends up begging for, to be arrested because right. of what the officer has said, maybe right. he could have talked him down a little bit or got him to cooperate and or whatever like that, but it doesn't happen. You see, so there's a series of failures and, uh, guaranteed every every one of these uh, uses of force where the perpetrator gets shot. Mm. If you reel that tape back, you'll see a whole series of uh, mistakes done uh, tactically by the officer.
0: And it's always easy to look after the fact and say, "Oh, should have done, should have done, should have done." And I guess the goal here, particularly with the publications that you're putting out, is to ingrain the scenarios and those skills. Uh, so a person can more readily come to that in the heat of the moment.
1: Right. And the officers really can't be blamed and they g- you're going to see more officers suing, uh, counter suing when they get done for assault saying if, uh, I am counter suing my department for failure to train mm-hmm. because you, they get 60 to 70 hours in, in BC, 60 to 70 hours of, uh, tactical training in the police academy. Nice. And uh, hairdressers get like 300. Right. Uh, foot, CFL football players, I'm sure they get more than uh, a couple hundred before they go into the, the big game there. Oh, and yeah. it's 60 hours. Yeah, that guy with a ble- bleeding from the forehead, no shirt on, on crystal <laughs> meth. There you go. There's yep. 60 hours of training. Go and deal with that guy. Well,
0: then there's a fear factor because the officers go in; they may not have been into
1: a physical right.
0: altercation. Everybody, in the past.
1: Everything looks like a nail when you right. got, when you got no skills and they only they give you a hammer, or a couple of hammers on your on your belt. That's yeah. all you're bringing to the there's fight a nail. is there's a nail. Yeah, your only tool, the only fight you're bringing to it is the tools on your belt, and mm. you get that's where you get this is called gadget reliance, and mm. people you know rely on the taser and OC and those things fail i mean the t- battery's not charged or the the taser barbs uh, don't make proper contact or the pepper spray is you got the kind of person that uh, just can blink through that right and uh, so those things fail but uh, i find that your hands on skills if if they're you're trained properly um our, are solid state, they generally don't fail. They may not work on everybody. Sometimes. Yeah. You'll have to break away and, and, uh, punch, kick, shoot, you know, uh, you know, there's no perfect, um, you know, set of tools that you can give somebody and it's guaranteed to work on everybody, but police judo will work on the vast majority of people. I, I remember
0: years ago, this one guy, he had a, um, got into a, a fight and he was in martial arts and. He thought, okay, here's my chance. I'm going to practice some of the stuff I know. Right. And he was using judo chops well, judo chop, judo chop to the neck. And he's like, I, he's like, it surprised me how ineffective those were in the scheme of things. And I just started resorting to haymakers essentially. And I'm wondering if in your progress, as you're going through things, were there things that were commonly taught that you later looked at and said, Man, those oh, don't work at all.
1: Oh gosh. And I, I, I look back to some of the older training manuals and I, how did they survive? That the, the, uh, the level of, uh, techniques the kind of techniques they're teaching are horrible. Even in, even in the army mm. it's, it's just, just horrible. They're, they're difficult, they're ineffective and they haven't, they haven't, uh, sort of, uh, gotten around to figuring that out. Mm. But, um, yeah, there's, uh, and even to this day, they're, they're, they're teaching things that are actually uh, 30 40 years old that are they're not that not that practical so this is a police judo is a bit of a, a breath of uh, fresh air in terms of uh techniques i if the to be in the, listed in our uh, list of techniques got to have a couple of uh, factors one is uh you know it, it's got to be effective and the mm. practical it's got to be ethical it's got to be um the, the person has to have a, an, uh, inability to, to attack you mm. so, or, or be attacked by other people like, so that's why going to the ground is we do do some of that. And you can go to the ground if you have your, I've done it a few times, sure. with my partner watching me just get bored, I guess I don't know, Take somebody <laughs> down, try something new. <laughs> yeah. Try something new. Just go to the ground with them just for fun. Yeah. Um, but, uh, invariably. The ground like as like you say it's not there's not the officer's friend oh and so you want to try and avoid that and uh, like you, like a ground fight uh, uh to get up as soon as possible to, and possibly to disengage or re-engage them uh, in a more positive uh, way so the, so there's there's been a, a number of uh, techniques being taught over the years by uh, different police academies and that still go on to say i just met an rcmp officer in burnaby um, he's close to retirement and he said he just did a, a two year stint at Depot, and he got out and I said, why? Because I was teaching them things that I know, uh, wouldn't work. Right. So that bending from the waist and all that stuff, you mm-hmm. know, I, I was, I was, I was, uh, uh, trained as an instructor in that and, uh, I, I never used it because. Doesn't work. Um, well, it, it works on totally compliant people, but that's, that, that's not what this handcuff skills should apply to people that don't want to get arrested. Mm-hmm. Those, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the necessity of, of, uh, of control and getting the cuffs on difficult people, not the people that have put them on themselves. It's mm-hmm. nothing. So anyways, he was disillusioned by what he was uh, told to teach. And, um, so he left mm-hmm. and I said, well, good for you. But you know, that. That's today that's today that's going on. And, right. You know, and uh so it's not uh, you know, forty years ago, but it's forty years ago um, you know, tactics and and you can't blame the officers because if they haven't been they they have no they don't know anything about police judo, how are they gonna pull that you know just pull right. that out of their ass, you know? They so it's just like um a poli- uh, police were shooting mental people. Mm. Couple decades ago,
2: right.
1: So um, I was actually looking. I was a non-firearm weapons uh, expert for 18 years, and I was actually close to bringing in the Taser into Canada. And uh, Darren Lauer actually did it, <laughs> <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> uh, but but because the VPD at the time weren't interested in it, even mm-hmm. though I demonstrated it, Brad and I, uh, Fawcett and I did, demonstrated it at the uh, for the ERT members. Yeah, uh, just extra training, another tool, and we're not interested. Mm. So Darren Lauer picked it up, brought it in. Yeah. And for dealing with mental people. It uh, helps. Yes. M-H-A, and, yeah. MHA. And so, so the first inquiry that comes up after you shoot a mental person, the question will be, could you have done something else? And then the, the lawyer will say, well, didn't, isn't there a thing called the taser that mm. uh, Victoria is using? right so then you're liable so every once one um police department uh, adopts it say in canada everyone else has to follow suit and we could have been that leader but anyways victoria (laughs) end up stealing good for them but um (laughs) but having said that you can't uh, you know uh, they're gonna have there's gonna be some problems when when judo police judo becomes more recognized the same question's is going to pop up. Well, so why did you be... punch him, kick him, yeah. knee him and all stuff? Could you have done something else? No. Well, isn't police judo, uh, you know, it's going to be like that. And mm-hmm. it's like, aren't there better techniques? Aren't there more, you know, advanced or more modern techniques available mm-hmm. that you could have done? And that's the kind of questions that are, are going to be asked in the future. And uh, so, you know, a police department should open Pick this this kind of training up because it's very practical, effective, and uh, effective and tactical and ethical and all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. But they should also just pick it up because it's the right thing to do. And and the tools are stronger like, right. than than you know trying to you know knee striking somebody in the thigh when they re- offer resistance. It, striking looks bad; yeah. it's optically poor, and breaking the machine is a poor way of generating compliance. Right? Because now you know, uh, you get into a fight like that, it's, it's who, who can destroy who first.
0: Well, you, you can also turn on the whole survival instinct. They're like, holy crow, this really hurts. I'm in a <laughs> hell of a lot of pain. You've gone too far. Uh, if you're not right. enough I mean, problem too far. And now you're in the fight sure. that you didn't I want mean, to I mean, joint
1: locking can cause pain too, but y- it's something you can dial up or dial down, mm-hmm. whereas once the strike is out. It's whatever it is, what it is. So you can't, you know, saying, oops, I ate too hard there. (laughs) Sorry, let me take 50% (laughs) of that pain back or here, I'll fix your rib (laughs) for you or something, but, uh, yeah, so there's, there's, um, some, um, changes that have to be made in policing in terms of use of force and police judo is, or, uh, is, is, are on the cusp of creating this new, um. Uh, method of dealing with people. Now it draws from a number of martial arts. It draws from already a number of, uh, uh police control. Uh, uh, I used to say arrest and control tactics. And I right. flipped it around purposefully in my book. It's control and arrest tactics. Mm. I mean, you got to control you first, then the handcuffs That's in. That's right. So not arrest, you know, you're under arrest and then to try and control you. Mm. no. Like you're under arrest and they go, no, I'm not. And he runs away. <laughs> so you better grab him. You better control him first and saying, you're under arrest. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to chase you.
0: <laughs> well, I, I like how the, uh, the book, uh, is conscious of Hicks law. Of mm-hmm. course, where the yeah. number of options you have, your reaction time will decrease cause your mind's going for all, all the different scenarios of what I could pull from me and it'll concentrate on some some basics and variations on those basics
1: and other variations right so there's some some uh, techniques and concepts in here i like teaching by concept rather than you know uh, i was in uh, in 1986 i went to i think it was the sydney police department and there's a fifth degree black belt in hapkido there okay and he was the instructor he was a civilian sure which is by my uh, estimation is wrong He should not be teaching, a civilian should not be teaching, uh, control and arrest tactics. Anyways, so I I was just goofing around. We're just just talking about techniques in general. I did this thing where you interlock your hands behind your head. It's, it's not a a technique we do anymore. And you squeeze the fingers together and then the the guy's hands are locked in there. Mm -hmm. And I, and he he says, he gets one of his students, says, do it to him. So I did it and the guy couldn't get away and he goes, and he was telling me just before that, he says, there's a saying in Hapkido, there's 10,000 techniques in Hapkido. And I, at the time I was thinking, that's a dumb way to look at it. Mm. Uh, 10,000 techniques. So then uh, he does this thing and he did, he said he didn't see that before. And I said, there's a saying in Hapkido, there's 10,001 techniques in Hapkido, <laughs> but that's a technique driven thing. And, and the students are confused. Um, uh by the sheer number of variations. But mm. but if you look at uh joint locking, there's only like four things you can do. You got four fingers, there's only four things you can do. Uh, 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 you can hyper uh, extend it, hyper contract it, you can twist it mm. or do a combination of those things. Right. That's it. So it doesn't matter if you're doing a finger bar an arm bar, a leg bar, a back bend or whatever. It's the same principles. So, you right. know, you got, you got your fingers three segmented, your arms three segmented, your, your legs are three segmented. Your Even your body, if you can, can uh, call your legs one segment, your torso one and your neck. Sure. It's all three segments. You can hyperextend it, hyper-contract it, twist it or a combination of those things. So simple. So the, so now you say, okay, this finger bar is a variation of the arm bar. Oh, I get it. So now this is number this technique number, you know, uh, one hundred eight. This is technique <laughs> one hundred nine for that thing. technique one? No, it's just it's just all the that one principle. So right. it's easier to remember, and then you um, you can in you sort of invent things as you go because you're just looking for the, the essential principle behind the kind of control you, you want to generate. Now, really? if you've walked through these, it, these techniques is helpful, but at least you don't have to s- rote, memorize each one as if they're separate, mm-hmm. you're missing the point. You're the, the uh, and it's the commonality. I've been studying martial arts for over 50 years. Yeah. And I used to say, uh, oh, like different styles of karate, there's scores of them, but they're all the same. Mm. At the beginning, to a beginner, and say, "Oh no, we are do our block this way, and we do the open hand." And but it's all the same, all the same stuff. The the principles, the techniques, they're just dressed up a little different, you know. Right. Sugar plum kung fu punches with one knuckle this way, and yeah. somebody else punches this way, and they do the vertical fist or whatever. But it's just, it's all a punch. Mm-hmm. It's so it doesn't need a designation as a new um, style of martial art. It's it, really, I mean, it's just all the same. Whereas judo is just judo, right? you see there, so there's somebody could do There, there are many different ways of doing say, uh, an outer reap where you take the back leg and just flop them down. There's many ways of doing that, but rather than saying, oh, on our style of judo, we do the outer reap this way. Mm. No, they, they, they say, bullshit. So at least the <laughs> judo guys got it right. They say, no, it's all the same. But, uh, police judo is a new martial art because the. The philosophy is, is totally different in judo better not be using this on the street and police judo is saying you better you use better this be- on the street, uh, correctly yes. <laughs> in the course of your duties. Yeah. And, uh, judo is to, you pin the guy, you get him on the ground, mm. which you don't want to be, and his backs on the ground in policing, you want, no, you want him face down and you want to be standing above him or kneeling on him. Right. You know, so everything, uh, everything's different about police judo and the end, the end game is to put handcuffs on somebody. It's probably the only martial art like that mm. to actually, the end game is it's not the double tap on the shoulder or whatever. It's to get him under control and on the ground and in handcuffs. So. Anyways, the um, getting back to this um, hapkido guy, uh, so he's he's teaching in the police academy. Has no, never been in probably in a real fight in his life, uh, and yet he's teaching this theoretical stuff, and he's teaching it from look how much I know, uh, and then they somehow, you know, all that stuff. The the officer has to distill. Well, yeah, he taught us that, but it's not very practical. Does he know that? Mm -hmm. Probably not, Mm -hmm. but it's still, it's part of the curriculum because he's teaching it. So you get into, into, um, into problems like that being the training is instructor centric rather than, um, being situationally centric, like what is needed on the street, not Mm -hmm. what the instructor knows, but what is actually needed. And that's. And, and we've done some work uh, with, uh, again, Sergeant Toby Hinton. He went, uh, uh, into, uh, force options training before he retired and he was doing right. the data mining and saying, well, okay, what, what's going on the street? How are officers Ooh. being injured? How are, uh, what kind of techniques are being thrown at the officers? And, uh, you know, and if something's not working like neck restraint, why isn't it working? So these kinds of, uh, things. And so the techniques, um, uh, being, uh, used on the street, uh, by the offenders, for example, can help drive the, the training in. So if there's a lot of officers being taken down by the, uh, you know, the, the popularity of MMA and everybody thinks they're a big MMA star. Right. You know, this, yeah, this, the the downtown east side or whatever the gas town's a big octagon and, yeah. the, and they just want to go out and do that so maybe that's something you should trade uh, train for how to how to uh, av- avoid being scooped um, by the legs or uh, tackled or something so um but that's in, in that's here and some other part of the country it'd be something different in states it more likely, geez, the guy's reaching into his jacket. Right. You'd be a, bit, a little bit worried that there's not a gun on the end of that hand. So we're in Canada. We don't have to worry about that much, mm. more knives and things like that. But, um, so your training has to reflect the problems that the officers encounter on the street. And, um, and handcuffing is an essential skill and it's, it's covered in my view, just, um, peripherally almost like it's just incidentally. So, you know, you, you, you should be handcuffing everybody all the time in training. So you have uh, some proficiency and they just, uh, well, they get to the point where they're handcuffing and they've skipped that to save time. Mm. And, um, and yet, you know, they'll teach, I don't know, like knife defense just to tick that box saying, yeah, 18 years ago, we taught him yeah, it's four hours of knife defense. And I tick that box. What about handcuffing somebody? Why is this? You do the final frame analysis. Yeah, he didn't, uh, wasn't able to handcuff that person properly and the other person's dead as a result of mm. that, uh, ineptitude. So shouldn't, shouldn't the most common, the most likely thing, uh, be trained the most and the least likely I uh, think, uh, be trained the least, you know, but yeah uh, you know it's just like it's least like list, less 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 likely in Canada that we shoot somebody however the um the the, the repercussions of a bad shoot is different from a bad wrist lock mm. you know so so there's a lot of um training associated with um firearms training for example um than our say handcuffing and and, sure. and you know the chance of somebody being injured in the process of handcuffing is in- negligible, mm. but if you go, if you let that thing slide to the, where the gun comes out, the final frame analysis, the officer might be justified, but had they been able to cut that, uh, violent encounter off by initial control, getting, gaining control and maintaining control right. throughout the whole thing, right. people will get control. And as soon as they reach for their handcuffs, the guy busts loose nice. because the technique is a two-handed technique mm. of control. And then when they reach, now they've lost, um, and, and incidentally, every, every joint locking technique, you have to have pressure and counter pressure. Mm-hmm. you got to have both. Mm-hmm. In, 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 in with a twist lock, which is one of the techniques in the book, you're pointing the elbow up. Mm-hmm. The, the, the counter pressure is gravity. Them, yeah. Otherwise, you, you have one hand here, one hand here, and you're doing a joint lock. You need, if you just go like this, the thing's gonna move. Mm-hmm. You have to have pressure and counter pressure. Mm-hmm. And so, so the guy's got him in this joint lock, a rear bent wrist lock, and then they go to reach for handcuff. Now oh so there's no <laughs> control, and the guy just spins out of it. So he had good control, but he lost it because the technique that he's using is not effective, mm-hmm. It's not effective for doing one hand control. Whereas uh, if you use a, 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 double twist lock, which is highly featured in this book mm-hmm. with one hand, I can, I can take you to the ground. I can stand you up. I can sit you down. Uh, I, I could, you could t- duct tape our hands together and I can have you flip flopping all over the place mm-hmm. without ever, um, um. Releasing the grip, mm-hmm. and it's the only technique out there that's like that. And I picked that up from actually from um, the Royal Hong Kong Police Academy, and when I was on that, uh, when I was in Hong Kong, and they did it in a very. Um, the guy was an Ikea, George Button. He's dead now, but he was a he was a civilian, and uh, again, and uh, he was teaching that, and it was um, very sort of uh, one dimensional Mm. technique and I took it and I've gone, I went down, I vented a whole bunch of, uh, twist lock techniques that Aikido's never seen before, they wouldn't have to, because they would, they don't go down that road. Mm. Wait, they do the double tap. That's the end of, that's the end of the session Mm -hmm. Or they take the person down. They they don't have to get them into handcuffs. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the, um, the, our end game is in policing is to get them into handcuffs. Right. And, and you know, without, 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 yeah, without breaking them if hurting them if possible. So, yeah. but, uh, so anyways, that's, uh, the, the essence of, of holding versus controlling, controlling versus hitting, mm. uh, you know, in, in the optics of, uh, today's, uh, climate out
0: there, do <laughs> you have the have police. A, do you have a bit of a go-to? So if you're going to go, you're in a situation, TACCOM start to fail. You're going to have to go hands-on. Oh, absolutely. I, I know where I'm going. A go to if you're dealing with somebody who you say, okay, this one might
1: be a little bit of work.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I
1: just got to, you, you know, you assess the person. Like, mm-hmm. the person's got long hair and he's yelling, I'm not going to be, you're not going to arrest me. I'm just looking, yeah, okay, I'll take him down over there, mm-hmm. grab him by the hair on the opposite side of the head, spin him around, Yeah. whatever. But my go to uh, position has always been to grab the elbow and get into the blind spot. So mm. if you're there, it's like on my back and I can't get you because you're, you're holding on to me. Right, you're back there. It's right. like it's the same th- thing as if you're coming up to a driver asking for his driver's license and registration, you don't stand directly in front of the the, the open window, right. do you? Right, because I think I go, no, I, I don't have my license, but I, I get <laughs> shot in the face, right? So you peer around the corner, and oh, and I'm not a criminal, like, way you look, I don't know you. So, and uh, so now to shoot you, he has to take his right hand get out the window and you're along the side of the, that's a hard shot to make. Mm -hmm. So that's the blind spot when you're asking for the driver's license and registration, it's a safe place. So Mm -hmm. this is the same thing where you grab him by the elbow and you stay in that spot. So if he moves, you move. If you, if you, if if he stays stationary, you grab him here and he turns into you and you don't move. Mm. Well, he's going to crack you. Right. But if you stay there, it's like, if he's stronger than you, it's very annoying, and, <laughs> and you could punch it and, and kick him at will if need sure, be. But sure. so um, being in that blind spot and grabbing him there, and quite often when would uh, when people go a little bit ape shit on me, I'd grab him by the elbow and I'd put him up against the wall. Mm. I'd stand in the blind spot and my free hand, I'd grab him by the throat mm-hmm. and I'd push him into the wall. Right. So he can't, he can't dodge, he can't move. Yeah. He, he can't even drop down. He couldn't even drop down to the ground if that's his strategy. Mm. And. And, uh, so, so like a cross grab in essence, mm-hmm. and then you can squeeze as much as you want We're probably not recommended these days, but <laughs> I'm just talking about in the early days, Early days when yes. I was discovering yes. the, uh, um, the safety, um, benefits of being in that blind spot. That's my, well, that was my go-to position. I'd right. grab them and then we'd have a talk.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? And so, a
1: very receptive
0: audience. Right. A very receptive audience. So what do you think it's going to take? VPD is already incorporating some of this into their training. Uh, what do you think it's going to take for
1: other agencies to incorporate? Well, this? it's a good question because like I say, um, police agencies are very parochial, even Delta has their own pension for sure. doing things like they love the PPCT stuff and, and, uh, uh, Brazilian ground fighting, I think, and things like that and, uh, every agency says, well, my instructors, they they know what's best for us. And eh, fair enough. Sure. But I think that um, uh, the VPD has, uh, through Adam Palmer, the chief there, he, he loves uh, both uh, police judo and uh, odd squad. Um, and uh, he's mandated that all the police recruits have to do 40 hours of police judo training before they go to the academy and get their 60. Wow. And we've had, um, anecdotal feedback saying they learned actually quite a bit in that wow. 40 hours and they really loved that training. And, uh, so we're hoping that there's going to be some rub off at the academy level. Uh, I think my book's floating around there now. so maybe Good, good. The guys will <laughs> 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 we'll pick up on some of the stuff, but it, it's just a matter of, um. You know, it's, it's promoting things like my book and this, this H this online, uh, training that's coming out, uh, this fall. Um, and, and then police agencies have to be aware that there's some alternatives before they will actually move towards it. But, mm. um, um uh, chief Palmer's stance on police judo is backing, um, our training mm. is, is a good example. Um, but. Um, like say it is, it, it just takes, uh, a trainer in there that doesn't like the concept or he's doing his own martial art and doesn't realize that he's handicapping other officers by teaching what he knows right. instead of what they need to know. So, um.
0: Yeah. And I guess with, uh, any more high profile cases coming up, the more, uh, attention that this will get, will just be raising in people's minds. Like, isn't there another way? Isn't there, or are there are other options And why didn't you look at them? Why'd you discount them if you did look at them?
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, and even doing things like simply handcuffing, there's that native, um, elder in a Granddaughter at the bank, you know, you remember that. Oh, too. right, yeah. So you know, but be, because the officers were going, oh, well, we handcuff everybody. You know, that's uh, which is not the right answer. You're still using force, so you have to account for why you're handcuffing them. And they got it in their mind that just put to handcuff everybody, and uh, you know, it's it just went sideways and looks bad. Uh, yes, you know, it uh, looks bad at look a number like of levels. It. Yeah. So, but and and you'll see. Uh, um, there's things being taught. There's a thing called the spear where you, you do a surprise reaction, the baseball bat breaks and the guys okay. in the crowd, and then you turn that neg this response, uh, rea- reaction into a positive thing. And then you push back on the, on the person to sure. try and keep them off of you. Um, uh, the last time I was, uh, surprised like that was, uh, never. So again, it's a civilian teaching it, um, to police, the police, you know, they uh, gobble it up. It's they get another, they got a certificate on their wall. The trainers uh, call it certification or uh, intimidation through certification. Right. They got their one week spear course up the thing, but no one's ever done it. Mm-hmm. No one. Mm-hmm. And yet we teach the twist lock and all the recruits are doing, it. they're doing it in the jail all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I got one recruit. He said he did it uh, eighty times in the last five months. You know, you know, in the skids because <laughs> it works. But but it works. Yeah. So I I I can I can show you a video. I can show you still pictures. My there's a bunch of them in my yeah. in my book here. It's not it's not some show me somebody show me a picture or a video of somebody doing the spear. It doesn't exist. So, <laughs> but it's a nice tight little package. And like I say, the instructor gets his Get the certification. The, yeah. So the instructor looks like he's got. um. You know, wide depth of a wide, uh, uh, broad range of experience, but the puddle's only like an inch deep. Uh, you know, uh, so and, and they don't know. They seriously, they don't know the value or the uh, uh, the impracticality of such techniques. They just learn what somebody's been uh, is teaching. They like it. They get their certificate. And, um, and, 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 it's simple enough and they can run with it and teach it mm-hmm. police judo. Not so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot to it, but mm-hmm. there's a P-S- parts the essence of it. Yeah. Are, you, know, two, you, three, can, you can pull out techniques and right. stuff like that, but you're not getting police judo, uh, you know, um, uh, certification, um, uh, in a weekend. Um, no.
0: So, but, um, I, I think in like the litigious society that we live in, people just love and glom on to certificates. Oh, you're certified in PPCT. You're certified in OC, whatever it might be, right. you're covered. Okay. Department's on its side and we want to hire more people that have all of these certifications. And, um, I'm, I'm wondering if that's ever going to reach a tipping point of the.
1: Well, I like, like I say, I've mentioned before that there's police officers starting to think about, um you know, countersuing the department for failure to train. Mm-hmm. And part of that failure train could be well, you're training me, but it's uh, useless. Yeah. Right. You're training me uh, and uh, the techniques don't work and mm-hmm. you're sending me out there. It's like that RCMP guy, he quit Depot because he's being told to teach things that he knows doesn't work. Mm-hmm. In in reality, it looks good on paper and it's a nice slick little program, but he he realizes that, uh, no, I'm not, I'm not uh, serving my brother officer or sister officer very well by sending them out and having them to try and use that technique on the street in reality. I just got to wonder about the
0: world of litigation that opens up too when a, somebody leaves based on their, uh, assertion that what's being taught isn't going to be something that's effective, uh, provided that's communicated to the department, to the detachment, mm-hmm. they've now got a responsibility to turn around and say, okay, we've looked into it. We discount your, your thoughts because A, B, and C. Cause if they don't, somebody else will get themselves hurt and they've got this precedent of somebody leaving. I mean, I mean that the optics of that are terrible. I, I got to wonder. Yeah. And, and of course we're talking about the RCMP and you know, municipal police and the, um, federal police there are going to be two completely different beasts as well. Mm. And I think the municipal police are able to perhaps respond to A issues more quicker. Yeah, faster. It's like
1: yes, it's the RCMP is like trying to turn around a, you know, ocean liner, They mm. <clears throat> very, um, bureaucratic, uh, organization and, um, and, um, police in general, they're very traditional, um, kind of, um, agencies, you know, they're not really ones to think outside the box really, mm. really quickly or really well. They, they want... Sort of the status quo, and and they're really a bit reluctant about trying something new. Like for like for example, when we started Odd Squad in '97, I I we were borderline heretics, right? Wow, the seven police officers—they want to educate uh, youth, uh, in particular, about drugs and gangs, and and we're picking up cameras. And There's a thin blue going, line, my God, right? Yeah, they're going, whoa, like no, I mean uh, Odd Squad is about proactive policing. It's about, uh, you know, community policing. It's about, uh, uh, doing something, thinking outside the box to try and solve a problem that you can't arrest your way out of, you mm-hmm. can't arrest your way out of that. So, you know, the, uh, the best way is to try and prevent the bomb from blowing up in the first place, rather than just mopping up the, the blood and the guts afterwards. You know,
0: I, I remember when that started and I remember hearing the, um, Uh, the different sides and different opinions and everyone's like, well, you know, good for them, but there's always that reluctance and hesitation and maybe fear of, uh, this being exposed
1: and what if there's light shone on it. Yeah. And, and, um, the, the, we, we broke a lot of ice there for police carrying cameras and, and, Mm -hmm. and even for these reality shows to, to come out, um, subsequent to that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we were always the one, police used to be always the ones holding the door open for the filmmaker. And they went, wait a minute, we can do this. <laughs> so we'll make our own videos. And, uh, and it was, um, uh, the rank and file generally respected what we're doing when they understood what we're doing. And mm-hmm. then there's a few uh, people in the police department, their noses were a joint or, uh, they weren't part of it. Uh, you know, uh, creating Ego. that and they're jealous and. Right. And you think the higher up that uh, people go, the the more refined uh, they are as a person, and not necessarily so. The Peter Principle, right? Uh, right. Just, you know, proves <laughs> that. So, and we've had uh, we had I uh, had a former mayor wanted Toby and I fired. Really, they spent three yeah they, they they put three lawyers on it, spent like one hundred twenty thousand dollars to see if Odd Squad could have a voice independent of the police department. And the answer was, uh, yes, we can. And <laughs> um, and but you know, so, uh, but when you're at the spear tip of the spear, you got to expect some resistance. You're doing things, you're changing things. You're out of this conservative group and you're going to get some resistance. There are going to be people that once they see how the the tip cuts, they're going, that's cutting in the right direction. I like that. But you get some other uh, uh, police uh, mucky mucks that say, no, I don't, this, it's just, they see it as more paperwork or it's, or there's a bit of a risk mm. involved or something and they They don't want to, they don't want to do that. Right. So.
0: Well, you've always, so you, and you were right there, ground level odd squad when that started up.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it was, I'm, I'm, sort of the creative seed behind both odd squad and police judo and right. Toby's the worker being, <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he takes stuff and, <laughs> and runs with it, you know, but, um, uh, initially on, uh, yeah, in odd squad, uh, we were both at it for really hard. We were going, uh, 90 miles an hour we we're working seven days a week and, you know, just thinking nothing about grabbing a camera and going out to Surrey on our day off at two o'clock in the morning to, you know, uh, videotape, uh, an addict who just come down after a three day crystal meth run type thing. Mm. And, uh, you know, stuff like that is, uh, you know, it's, uh. Just a tremendous amount of work, but it, it's paid off in the long run. We beg board and s- stolen whatever we can to keep ourselves going. We don't get any federal money or uh, provincial money. We just do fundraisers and, uh, really?
2: and
1: they drop more than a million dollars a day in the skids. And if we, we'd have 1% of that, it would be rolling in dough. We've got a whole team now, don't you, on odd squad. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. We've, we've lost, uh, we start started off with originally with seven guys. And then very early on, uh, we picked up uh, Chris, uh, Graham, uh, doing the hockey. He had a hockey program running parallel to ours. So was educating uh, hockey, um, players, junior a about, mm. um, the perils of drug abuse and things like that. And, and Brian Shipper was, um, sort of the quiet behind the scenes guy, just always, uh, uh helping us out. Mm. And then a couple of the odd squad guys dropped out fairly quickly. And then we've picked up, uh, a few other people, Doug Spencer doing the gang, uh, uh, stuff. He's amazing. He's, he just, guy does so many presentations and, um, we picked up a younger people like you know, constable Brendan Frick. He was a police judo, uh, mm. Uh, I know he's a police judo black belt and he does a tremendous amount with odd squad and just a wonderful young constable. So we have a new generation of, uh, people, uh, coming up uh, into odd squad. Cause you know, Toby and I are getting a little long in the tooth. I'm, I'm going to be 70, uh, in February and, uh, Toby's 10 years behind me. We have right. Mark Steinkamp. He's uh, a little bit behind, uh, Toby. And so, uh, so but, what's,
0: what's the driving force between creating all of these new sort of, uh, programs, these ideologies, these, uh, the directions, the odd squad was kind of revolutionary, particularly around here. Mm-hmm. Purim- I don't know of other places. Yeah, it's, doing no, it's it. unique in the world. There you go. Uh, this, uh, the police judo is something that I haven't seen. Again,
1: unique in the world. right? Uh, I mean, it's just, I, I think if, uh, you could have had the same group of people like uh, Toby and Brian and Mark and myself and, and, uh, <clears throat> whomever on the on the police judo side of things, we could have been, you know, working left testicle Saskatchewan and, oh, we made another arrest again. That's two for the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so there's no necessity there and there's no invention. But since we're armpit in deep in human misery mm-hmm. and uh, the drug and the stuff that we saw down there and you know, are arresting so many people and the, the human behavior at its worst, it's just... Um, it's just, it was just, uh, if anybody had, should have PTSD, it should be like uh, Toby and I and Mark and sure. we spent a lot of time in the skids, but, uh, the, um, the end, the end game there or end result of all that is let's try and be creative and think outside the box and see if there's another way of tackling this because the way it's being done, is not really effective or it's mm-hmm. not practical. And so, y- you know, you got the, the skid road there and one side of the fence, we got, uh, trying to keep other people from becoming drug addicted and, and humanizing the addicts, from, mm. you know, they, they, you know, they just didn't choose to be a drug addict really. And, um, and then the other side of the fence is like the people, the police that deal with them, we, we want to keep uh, them safe by giving them superior tactics. Mm-hmm. They also want these superior tactics are going to keep the uh, drug addicts safe. They, they right. say they're not getting their arms broken, their jaw, their jaw broken and stuff like that because they're whacked out. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, uh, you, you basically, you want to have your, these people treated like if it was a family member, and it happened to me once at a, Uh, someone in my family that was suicidal and Mm. drinking and, and on drugs. And I sent the RSMP over and I'm going, Oh God, I hope it's, I hope it's somebody that's well grounded and have good technique versus somebody that, Oh my God, this guy wants to beat us up. And then he's going to get his arm broken and Mm -hmm. I just sent, you know, or worse. So, um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of like that. So we've out of the, that, that miserable neighborhood is full of, uh, dysfunction. There's some good people down there sure. as well. My f- uncle Frank lived down there for his whole adult life and he was a, he was an alcoholic and never got into trouble, mm-hmm. but there, he, he died a few years ago. But anyways, he, he um, there's people, there's good people down there, but there's a lot of people there that are, are, are quite frankly, dysfunctional. And they, they go there because the rent's cheap, they can lose themselves. The, the, the government's going to look after them and, mm-hmm. um, and they fit in because no one cares if you got a mental illness or, or right. a criminal or whatever. They just don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and as much as they like to call it a neighborhood, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah that same neighborhood, um, that put my I end up staking myself out in, in, in my last year on the job to get robbed down there because there's uh, uh, a civilian brought in some, uh, footage shot from a uh, top of a building of these two older people getting robbed. Right. Violently robbed. And, right. and he showed us this and I said, this isn't right. So Toby and I hatched a plan called old timer and I staked myself out in the laneway. To be robbed, mm. and I actually wore a helmet because I thought I was going to get boot fucked. Mm-hmm. And we had a camera in there; it was controlled. My hand was in a bandage, and I can control the uh, the yep. uh, h- hidden microphone and control the video camera. And we filmed them from across the uh, the laneway to uh, Was in the uh, the two worst neighborhood uh, laneways in the skids, mm-hmm. and uh, two nights in a row, and we nailed t- uh, two robbery crews. Yeah, and I. I had a flash roll of some money and I bought some crack and showed them the money, you know, and right. they, oh man, you shouldn't show that your money around here. You know, you, you know, my guy was the guy, the guy was, uh, like fr- yeah. Yeah. Guy wasn't being friendly to me. He didn't want any competition when he was going to rob me later. And he did. <laughs> and so, yeah, so they cut the, the strap off my neck, like a man purse underneath the jacket and yeah. I thought I was going to get a yeah. razor blade, uh, off my neck, had an ambulance standing a block away, but that was the most frightening thing I did, uh, in my career. And I had uh, PTSD for about three weeks. Mm. I went immediately to Thailand and I was walking around, bumbling around, banging my head on things and falling off the of curbs and just, yeah, it's like having a chipped tooth. Your tongue goes over that chipped portion, it's gone, it, leave it alone. Yeah. But it's like I'd, day and night. That's I'd, a good explanation. Re, re, I, would, I would rerun the scenarios in my head and sometimes they would change. Mm. What if the guy had a slip my uh, throat? What, you know, what if he booted me in the face? What if this happened? When I, you know, and, um, it was, it was quite frightening. So I did get a, I did get accommodation for it, but it was for meritorious service because the, uh, uh, unmentioned, um, uh, person in the police department who I would just say is plain jealous, says you can't premeditate bravery. I'm going, isn't that the, isn't that the essence of bravery? Will you say, wow. this is going to hurt. It's going to hurt doing it I'm doing it anyway. Well, that's right. bravery. Not that's just right. running around the corner oh, a bank robber. Oh, and they, you, you pull out your gun and they drop their gun. You right. would get it for bravery for uh, stopping a bank robbery, but right. anyways.
0: Uh, no, that's, uh, you know, the anticipation of the event, the anticipation of the fight. It's always worse than the fight,
1: right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm 45 (laughs) minutes. I'm waiting, you know, I had a little bean in my ear and Toby's, uh, uh, telling me what's going on. Okay. They're forming a human shield. They've got five people standing around you. I'm, I'm laying on a a piece of carp on a cardboard Mm. in, in the laneway. Yeah. Uh, having bought some crack, pretend to smoke it and pass out, which right. doesn't really make a lot of sense, but anyway, they, they <laughs> bought it, uh, and, um, and say, so, you oh, know, the guy's for kneeling down, he's grabbed your strap and he's sawing away at your thing. Uh, you know, it's just yeah. like 45 minutes like that, both nights. I was just like, oh God, when's it going to happen? Yeah, And, uh, you know, I just had one good hand. I was going to sit up. That was the, 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 the uh signal that i have been robbed. Yeah. Uh, I just sit up and, um, the guy was sawing away and then he left and no, Al hasn't given the signal yet. So he went around the corner, the knife he had was too dull. So he bought a razor blade. So he could saw the, the, oh, the strap right off my neck. <laughs> right. And, uh, and then the, th- then the, uh, robbery went down. You couldn't make it easy for him but to no. get off. <laughs> <laughs> no. But you, you talk about, you know, you're inside your head and I'm pretending to be asleep snoring and the stuff that runs through your head, the, your mind bounces around and, you know. Yeah. The funny games it plays. Yeah. People, the other police officer behind panic bars, you know, in the hotel. Panic bar. What is that word? Panic. Yeah. It's like, no, it's like panic, you know, strong arming, you know, yeah, this, uh, that. It's just like uh, stuff would run through my head and, um even scenarios I'd be trying to shut my mind off to not worry about it. I got to concentrate on snoring here. Um, uh, I couldn't let my mind get uh, too preoccupied and then I'm hearing the play by play in my ear underneath my helmet and I'm going, Oh God, I wonder how this is going to end, end up. But, um, yeah. Then always had old timer and they used the footage. It went around the, uh, North American continent at least. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was a pretty classic uh, operation, but. Uh, Very interesting. But that, that was diff, even that was difficult to pass because we had to bring in the use of force or, um, or the uh, undercover, um, the trainer yeah, to look at our operational plan to make sure that, uh, Oh fuck! I'm in my last year, so I'm expendable. But they didn't want they didn't want the paperwork saying oh he died. You know, Poor Al, Al got his neck slashed and he's dead. So you know, it's a lot of paperwork there. But he wanted to make sure that um, we could do it. And he looked at my skill set and my my own uh, undercover um, time to, in Strike Force and um, things like that, and realized that yeah. He had a good plan, uh, yeah, I'm, you know. I'm a good uh, decoy, and um, so I we went with it. But somebody else could have just shut it down. You know, they'd say, "No, it's too dangerous." Being conservative, I was surprised actually they they okayed it. But maybe they didn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> I made a couple <laughs> like, of enemies. Yeah, well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> there go. But, I think uh, having the background in the police judo and having the uh, the physical capability probably really helped with the mental resiliency. Yeah, well. in those
1: days it wasn't, you know, it was in two thousand five, right. so it was uh, sort of predates police judo uh, per se. Arts but video. yeah, but my martial arts, yeah, I was uh, quite confident of my physical abilities, uh, even though I was a year from retirement. Um, I have you know, my sort of my physical decline was. Uh, on its way, you know, happening, uh, even to this day, I'm still fit. Like, I'm I mean, you're in, 70 and you're, oh, oh, you're yeah, fit. No, I'm still running and doing all kinds of things, uh, doing weights and doing martial arts. But, um, um, the, um, tactically m- mentally, uh, I, I, I could go back into patrol tomorrow at mm. age 70. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, my, my mind, I still read case law. I, I'm, I teach police judo. I go on police course, training courses. Right. And go, what the fuck are you doing here? I, uh, you retired a long time ago. Yeah. I, I, I <laughs> but you know, I go go for a walk along or ride along. It keeps I, your work I, I, yeah, relevant I, I, Yeah, exactly. I want to be saying, oh, when you know, 18 years ago when I was on the job, this is what we did. You know, mm. I, I want to be sort of uh, current. And sure. then of course my use of force having to write this book about police use of force, I have to be, this is to. cutting edge, right. this, this is not 40 years ago, yeah. this is cutting edge stuff. Right. And so, uh, so like I say, I could, I could go back on the street tomorrow and, uh, and uh, do quite well.
0: Well, I have a feeling there's a lot of officers out there that will benefit greatly from this book and the subsequent books that, uh, that you've uh, alluded to both in this podcast and in this book. Yeah.
1: So from this, I'm going to, mm, uh, Police are lazy and cheap. Sure. So this book's, I don't know, 86 bucks or something. It's expensive and for good reason. What's your life um, worth? Yeah. What's a lawsuit <laughs> yeah. worth? <What's>, yeah. <laughs> right? But, um, yeah, so in, and um, and, and they don't want to, they don't want to wade through all this stuff, uh, or let alone try and practice it. So too, it might be a bit much for the, um, the average flat foot, but Um, I'm going to make a, from this, I'm going to do a pricey of it, and call it essential joint locking techniques for law Mm. enforcement. It'll be like arresting people for dummies, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, but so that'll be coming out uh, next year. So it'll be maybe a third of the size of this book. So rather than doing, you know, four different shoulder cranks to arrest them, I'll just teach one and, and there's basically in here, there's, I, I just broke down roughly eight forms of resistance. You grab an arm, he can, you uh, can, he can bend his arm. He can straighten his arm. He could, he could pull away. He could push into you. He could drop straight to the ground. Mm-hmm. He could do all these, you know, eight, di- uh, try and attack you. Yeah. So eight different kinds of uh, resistance. And I'm going, okay, just learn one. Yeah. Just one counter. So if you grab somebody, they can do one of those eight things. Now in the academy, they might teach you two. Mm. So and I say, well, if you're smart, you learn all eight, mm-hmm. eight. If you learn six then act surprised if the other, one of the other two come out, mm-hmm. you know, so that's, that's, that's all you have to do. And, and they can look at this book and say, I don't like this. I love this technique. And I'm going right. to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use that technique. And it's, you know, pictures are easy enough to follow and there's arrows totally. and it's well written. Yeah. Uh, and my first book, uh, was, uh, entitled Chinna, which is a joint locking, uh, seizing and controlling in, in, um, ground fighting mm. because I was coming from the Sancho, uh, aspect of, um, Wushu, that, the Chinese martial arts, the ju- judo without the, that's ju- like throwing without the ground fighting. Right, And then I was coming into judo and the ground fighting. And so I had all these A type personality policemen ripping, trying to rip my head off. And then, so I'd grab a finger and I'd bend it or whatever trying to get myself out of a, a headlock or something. Say, well, you can't do that. Mm. I said, well, what do you mean? I just did it. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, you can't do that. It's against the rules. Oh, we have rules here. And, and then that's why I was sort of disillusioned by, even though judo is a good ma- basic martial art, I was almost, I was almost ready to quit judo yeah. at the police station because of its rule boundness. hmm and then I was finding, I was going to the police academy during the day, sometimes all day, and then I'd come to the judo class at night with uh, Brian Shipper's judo class, and I'm saying, this is what we're doing in, at the academy, just for the police that are here. Mm. And then when I was, uh, um, you know, uh, at the academy, i going, this is what we're doing in the judo class that would be good. Right. And then I'm going back and forth, I'm going wait a minute, why don't I just combine the, the, the essence of judo, the practical stuff uh, out of judo, take away all, all forms of traditionalism and rules and all that stuff, anything to do with sports, strip it bare. Yep. And so, and, and then combine it with the, the control and arrest techniques. And then I went there, there's my martial art. There it is. I, I couldn't find it. And I, I got certain techniques from different, uh, agencies, but there it is. We'll create the, Toby and I decided to create this new martial art, call it police judo and, um, spent a lot of time developing it. Yeah. Um, and, um, so in, in essence, it, it becomes a, um, a really good, solid method of, uh, controlling and arresting people. Well, where can people get this book? Well, I think it's go on Amazon.ca, Amazon, uh, dot CA yeah, or Al There's a, a page. I'm going to start writing a blog on that. Uh, Al arsenal books, plural. I'll, or, I'll put uh, the links up in yeah, the yeah, description. And sure. the description below hit the like button. Yeah. <laughs> hit the like button. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so it's been a, a real, uh, interesting, uh, uh, journey from say, starting in say 1986, even though I started my martial arts training in 71, uh, mm. but it uh, became more practical. And I, I, I sought out the more, pra- uh, more, pra- I sought out the more practical methods of, uh, getting, t- taking people into custody. And I, I dropped karate because this wasn't done, working. But yeah, I can't break people. Yeah. You know, I, I, so I, I fell back on some joint locking techniques I learned at, you know, jujitsu seminars, for example. Mm-hmm. And then I, I got into, like I say, the, the wushu, the, 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 china, the joint locking and specifically that, uh, which I, uh, from master Shou Yu Liang, who was my instructor. Uh, and, um, and he, um. Instilled in me, uh, and as with some other instructors, uh, about the va- the beauty of joint locking, mm-hmm. and um, so I just refined those techniques and, and incorporated a bunch of them into the control and arrest tac- tactics that uh, uh, that the police were already doing. And, and it's a good; it's been a good diffusion of um, old and new uh, techniques. Yeah. And um, and um, and like I say, the uh, it really makes. If you read the book, it it really makes it clear, um, the importance of controlling somebody versus holding them and the difference between sport techniques and street techniques and, you know, standing on your, staying on your feet versus going to the ground. These Mm. are all really, really basic things that I'm still shocked that police trainers don't Seem to appreciate. They don't. If they, they, they figure just, it out pretty quick? They, when they, they, go they the just street. jump on. They just follow their their the, martial arts training yeah, blindly. It, almost, you know. Um, there's the odd guy. He's, you know, he's trained in jujitsu, but. He get, they get it. You talk to them with two minutes, they get it, but they just don't, haven't had a much opportunity to break out of it. So they.
0: Well, it's that linear or rigidity of thought that a lot of people can get into, particularly in law enforcement. If there's a.
1: Imagine for me, I was third degree black belt in karate and I come into a judo club, I hated being on the ground. It was so foreign to me. I was just strictly stand up guy Mm. and. Uh, punching and kicking and it was horrible and getting close to you know, sweaty men and and their geese and oh, I, it just <laughs> drove me nuts but it was because I was partnered with Toby and he'd drag me to these uh these judo classes yeah and so I stuck with it, and then I came to appreciate uh the beauty of judo in terms of um being able to manipulate the human body mm-hmm. um to get them on the ground and, and, uh, and control them. And then, but like I say, I was turned off by the, um, techniques that were impractical for right. street use, but then, you know, police judo resolved that cause we just dumped those techniques, impractical techniques, took the good stuff out of judo. So it's like a, uh, I was a re- little bit reluctant about calling as Toby suggestion, calling it police judo, the new martial art, mm-hmm. you know, I would have been, I would have better preferred something defend do or something, you know, <laughs> you know, so that there's no preconception of you hear police judo and the police go, oh, you're running around in pajamas. No, shit. no, It's a no, gentle no, no. way, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, the I gentle way and all the stuff. And they think of this, it's a sport. It's an mm-hmm. Olympic sport. And, you know. It's think, so far from People that. would, yeah, people would think, oh, it's, why do I want to learn a sport type thing? Even though. Presuming Jujitsu is a sport, but sure. But I don't know. They, uh, I, I just, I thought it would, um, would turn people, police off. But then I thought, oh, and then on the other hand, I thought, well, how will the Judo community react? Right. There's only one form of Judo, and now they're, we're saying we're appropriating the name judo, a little bit. Police Judo. Well, uh, Professor Kano, when he invented Judo, and back in 1883, 82, 83. He turned us back in Japan. There's hundreds of styles of jujutsu mm. that's a precursor to jujutsu. And, uh, he turned his back on all those and saying, no, I want to create a, I want to create something that, uh, he was a high school teacher and, mm. uh, and he, he wanted to teach, uh, uh, we, we didn't even call it a sport back in those. He wanted to teach something that school kids could learn. Mm. And his essence was to create a better citizen. Mm. Make them a be- it's polishing the mirror to make a better person. you can see yourself more clearly and, and be, be a decent human being. Well, if uh, Professor Kano were alive today, he's saying, well, then the Judo people, if they had said, oh, professor, they uh, you know they've um, bastardized Judo. Well, yeah. What do they do? Oh, they're trying to make better police officers using superior technique, and uh, and part of their grading uh, concept is that they have to do a proven history of uh, volunteerism, and uh, and uh, yeah, they're not. Uh, yeah, they're trying not to hurt people, and they're trying to be, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Polishing what's your the point? Mirror. What's your point? Yeah, sounds, sounds good. So he would be clapping. If he were alive today, I guarantee. Because I know, there's I know uh, four eighth degree black belts. So that's about as high up as you can get. You might see a ninth down floating around, but mm-hmm. uh, but so I know four personally that love the concept of police judo. They loved how we've used, and they're proud that the word judo is in our new martial art of police judo. They actually appreciate because they can say, ah, oh, look at, uh, police are using our, the basics. It. Basics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And these eighth degree black belts, they, they're interested in, they're going to buy this, but they're, they're interested in this book. Right. Because they, uh, people often come to them saying, well, we want to learn something that's practical, like self-defense. Because mm-hmm. it's all stores. Uh, the heavy duty people are all, um, immersed in sports aspects. Mm-hmm. And then somebody says, oh, we want to learn the the street applications of this stuff. And mm-hmm. the little week on that. And they're going, well, look at this. <laughs> it's right here. So <laughs> they've, they've taken the street out. They've taken the basics of judo and they've made it into the street applications. Which reminds me of another story. Again, I was mining my own business in uh, Puerto Vallarta. And uh, I sent Toby uh, an email saying, I, 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 just before I left... I, I read um, an article, I wish I had saved it in a newspaper about a fifth degree black belt in karate. He was pushing his daughter in a stroller, went into a bank and realized that there's a bank robbery going down. Mm. So he grabbed the guy at the teller in a headlock and he said in an interview afterwards, he said, if the guy, if the second guy hadn't a pepper sprayed me. I would have beat the shit out of all three of them. The last guy had a gun. Mm. And rather than being contrite and saying, Oh my God, I put my daughter in danger, anybody else in the bank in danger. I got into something, I didn't see the big picture. Uh, mm. I didn't know what I was doing. Why, why, why would I have a hundred and eighty pound anchor in my arm and, mm-hmm. and I I didn't know how to defend against the pepper spray and I didn't even see the third guy, or, you know, it's like, God, I'm glad that I'm so glad things worked out. But he was he was saying he would have beat the shit out of all three of them if that things being a little differently. Mm-hmm. Oh, like this, uh, contestant number one, are you ready? Contestant number two, you're ready. Contestant number three, are you ready. Mm-hmm. Head to me. Okay, let's fight. Mm-hmm. He would have beat the shit out of all three of them. I'm positive. Sure. If no gun, no pepper spray, maybe, you know, but unfortunately the bank robbery wasn't a sanctioned event, a sporting event. And, and I thought, What an idiot Mm. rather than being contrite, you know, and I saying that guy needs to be street proofed. He's confusing sport and street, Mm -hmm. which is a a deadly error to me. So I, I typed to Toby, I said, oh, we should do we should put on a course of street proofing your martial art. doesn't matter what it is. Come to us. Mm -hmm. And, um we have the expertise in using force in terms of actually applying it about knowing the law, mm-hmm. yada, yada. And then three weeks later, uh, Joel Johnston is uh, a retired sergeant. Yep. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he was a use of force, uh, expert. Yeah, uh, still is. Uh, and, uh, he said, uh, I know a fellow from, um, uh, this organization, a karate organization, and, uh, they're looking to, to teach us, teach them uh, self-defense techniques for, because their instructors are teaching self-defense for women, but none of the instructors, these are fifth downs, by the way, Mm -hmm. and up, none of them have been in a street fight. And so I'm not sure if they're teaching them what's practical or what's effective or whatever. And I went. Good for them for coming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For seeing that. And I said, well, no, we're not I, I said, I don't think we should be teaching these guys uh what to do because they're gonna caroticize whatever we teach them. And they should. We should they should probably, if they're training a certain way, they should probably, uh, fall on their strong points rather than trying to learn ground fighting or throwing, mm-hmm. uh, might be a bit much. So maybe there's things, just simple things they can do. Like don't kick to the head because right. you're off so balance. Second you, you got your got the leg. leg. <laughs> your leg can get grabbed, uh, you know, uh, instead of, uh, you know, punching to the head, the closest palm heel strike. So you don't mm-hmm. break your knuckles, yeah. you know, you know, the bases hit the, the hard, soft, hard soft yeah, hard, hard parts of your body, soft parts of their body. This mm-hmm. awareness, um, which is 90% of the, um, self-defense game. So, um, so he said, oh, okay. So you know, we, we, uh, uh, the head of the organization put it to the, uh, all the karate schools, different styles, and saying we want to do this, and uh, they got their noses out of joint. But police judo is going to teach us how to sort of, you know, fight. You know, so and then there's like some pushback because they were getting um, money from the gov- government right. agencies, so yep. they had to put it into open tender so that they're not just hiring their friends, right? So they did. I said, I said, if you find the me, Toby Hinton and Joel Johnson, if you find somebody who is like Toby and I started police judo, new martial art, we both have yeah. uh, me, Joel and Toby probably over 70, 80 years of policing experience, probably over 125 years. Um I got fifty years of martial arts- experience alone, like over a hundred years of uh say martial arts background mm-hmm. Joel's an expert in use of force i, I mean Try I, and find this. yeah 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 and, and i was a yeah. he's weapons um uh, expert and, and i said if you can find and we've been in um scores of street altercations if you can find somebody with those qualifications you hire them and he's apologize. oh i'm sorry i just know i gotta i just gotta you know kowtow to these guys um, and uh, so anyways they had 10 you know highly competent martial artists um, come in for their interviews i can do this i, I can do this this my qualifications and i've taught self-defense for women and other things and all this stuff, and they got tra- trained provincial champions or Canadian champions, whatever. They do all this, mm-hmm. and they asked them all one question. You know what that question was? Have you ever been in a fight? That's right. You ever been in a fight? And they said all all ten of them said no. So we got the contract. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but he, those ten who came in for the interview they need to be street proofed mm-hmm. cuz they don't get it mm-hmm. they're saying i've got i've watched videos i've been in the dojo and i've done martial arts techniques mm-hmm. and um yeah, i'm pretty good at it and going yeah, but how about when the guy's biting you in the arm? You're doing neck and the guy bites you in the arm, or number two, guys kicking you in the head, mm. and uh, y- uh, you're putting neck and He's pulling out a knife and stabbing you in the guts. Mm. You know, it's like how's it working? You, yeah, how's that working for you?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you
1: didn't even know about that. So you're going to teach people how to fail on the street? I mm-hmm. mean, the street's got it's got no rules. You know, it's a lack of morality and ethics and. Um, so anyways, those guys need to be street proof because they're dangerous. They're telling, they're teaching stuff that's dojo based, you know, rather than street based. And there's a lot of that out there. There really is. Oh yeah. Well, you, you've seen it yourself. I mean, you, all your viewers too, have probably seen guys teaching gun defenses and knife Mm -hmm. defenses and, and they're just so bad. And I'm, or handcuffing even I'm just going. Scratching uh, your head. How can they do that? Yeah, I was watching one video, and the guy was putting on a pair of handcuffs. Honest to God, he—I think he had them both on in a second, one second. It was like Mm. like that. I go, "Holy crap!" Mm. But I just going, "What a useless skill!" And I can tell you that the guy who's doing that, without—I didn't know his Mm -hmm. background—he he cannot be a police officer. No officer would spend any amount of time doing something that's, uh, totally useless mm. in, in, for realistic and practical purposes. Yeah. So you had, to you have your hands exactly spaced this much apart. You had to have, I mean, you know, bed. yeah. And you have that thing, but it's like, it, it was like, it was, uh, totally a useless skill, <laughs> but it was, imp- it was impressive I think but good it's out. all the guy saying, no, I'm not putting my hands behind your back, raises his hands up. Then what? Right. That, your technique is is, is, is it's like bending over at the waist and doing all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, if he's doing that then get him to put the handcuffs on himself. So it's like, uh, here's, here's a useless skill that no one will ever use mm. and, uh, practice it. It's dumb. Well, I'm looking at the time here and I want to make all sure right. that
0: we're, um, uh, still got the <laughs> listeners uh, from either. Sure they eight. have nodded off, uh, <laughs> um, third rum of Coke into the. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> um, is there anything else we should be covering before we wrap it up?
1: Oh, geez. Uh, you're gonna have to have me back for a few more, uh, podcasts because I get, I get so much to talk about. I, there's I some have, stories. I want to oh. ask you about.
0: I told you at the, yeah. at the get out that I asked around a little bit, if anyone had any stories oh, yeah. and they're like, Al Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, I got some Al stories. It's like, okay, let's hear them. And everyone went
1: quiet. So you well, have some friends to out there. They know I'll track them down. No, I'll, I'll know I'll track them down. And they know they, you'll I can, track them I can down. kill them with an eyelash, or uh, <laughs> I know more ways to kill them than they know how to die. Or uh, I'll hit yeah. them so hard they'll be the first person in heaven in a wheelchair type of stuff. You know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I know I'm slowing down. They'll probably catch me when I'm eighty, and they'll stick to they'll, stick stick my cane through my uh, wheelchair spokes and have their way with me. But uh, but I'm uh, uh, yeah I've. Uh, I've got a bit of a reputation uh if you dig down deep enough you know uh've been toby and I invariably been called renegades or cowboy cops mm. and the yeah. and the uh and the um journalist is all happy and, and they screwed us around and we're, we're toby and I are high fiving each other you know it's like wow, this is good <laughs> you think they're ruining our our careers, but they until they, they realize that we enjoy the notoriety sure and uh yeah so we we stepped out of the box we were thinking um uh, you know um thinking ahead thinking differently and uh it hasn't been an easy road like say having a previous mayor wanting us uh, both fired and all stuff so we've we've done a lot of innovative um, things in terms of educating uh, youth through odd squad and and uh, educating police through police judo and um it's been, a, um, a bit of a struggle and it hasn't been easy all the time, but, uh, I think that, uh, after tw- odd squad, like say, we just finished our 25th year anniversary gala. And so obviously we're doing something right there. And, totally uh, place judo is, um, you know, 2010 plus, uh, uh, getting, getting in there and the, yeah. the roots go back decades. Absolutely and, um, but, worth it. Uh, so we must be doing some things uh, right, and um, yeah. So it's uh, I, I got a million stories. I you know <laughs> well, I've been around the world a few times. And, yes, uh, you have around the block for sure. Uh, I'd love to dig into those as yeah. well.
0: I I really really appreciate you coming on to share those stories and the the comprehensive joint locking techniques in the book that you've put out. And it's, uh, I'm not all the way through it, but I've gone through a good portion of it. Uh, very well worth it. Anybody out there that's on the fence, uh, get it. It's worth the money. There's techniques in there that will help you out, whether you're law enforcement or not law enforcement. Uh, definitely go pick this book up. Oh, appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you thanks well, for having me here. Thanks so much for being on the Social SofaCorp okay. Podcast.